this might be do you are you a Mariah Carey fan though? Oh yes, yes. I was gonna yes. say yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'm gonna take a gay card away from you. No, I, I adore <laughs> Mariah Carey. Podcast, hotcast, um, hotcast podcast. This is your host Jake. Um, first at the top, usually I say there ain't shit going on, but there's, I mean, a couple things I wanted to say at the top here. Um, I have an email that you can send your stories to. You can send whatever. Please, I mean, you can even send a hate mail. I don't care. Um, I mean, if you really hate me that much and you want to email and take time out of your day then <laughs> that's on you uh but the email is not so peter priested at gmail.com pretty straightforward i almost said not somali mormon again so there's that also um i am on spotify and apple itunes um and i've noticed some rave reviews and i'm very grateful those made my day so please keep those coming rate review subscribe whatever you want to do um and also on that note, if you really hate me enough to not give me a five-star review, well, first of all, fuck you. But also, second of all, um, I actually kind of live on the hate. So, you know, bring it on. Um, anyway, here we are. Um, and I have a, a, my first recurring guest co-host. Um, she is the Canadian rock and roll queen herself, Dusty. Welcome back, Dusty. Well, thank you for having me back. I'm just laughing over here. <laughs> podcast, <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting... Uh, anyway, we'll just... It's late, it's fine. <laughs> um, so, also, there was uh, some... <laughs> I was going to introduce myself as the shrimp lifter. <laughs> um, you guys... So, Jake's yeah. going to jail, and I'm going to have to bail him out, and it's like a cool <laughs> thing, so we're going to have some Venmo, and you can just... Yeah, it's becoming a thing, and I'm a little nervous about it. <laughs> so I guess to explain that one a little bit, um, I went grocery shopping, as one does, and I, <laughs> I was doing the self-checkout, and I... Um, <laughs> Karen was working. Karen was working. She was getting me all hyphy because she was like, I don't know what it was. I, and then she, like, I kept having to have her come over and help me with the bag, like, because the thing kept yelling at me for not having the bags filled or whatever. And I had a shit ton of stuff in my cart. And so the shrimp, the two bags of shrimp that I had got, like, piled under these bags. And then um, I walked out with them without paying for them. So... <laughs> There was that. <laughs> so I'm the, the shrimp lifter. <laughs> A grifter in training. <laughs> oh, so and also, today, uh, so I went to Target and I um, 
bought some fun little gym shorts that I was so excited about. And then I also used the check self checkout on that one and got home. Well, and then today I was going, I was like all excited. I'm going, I'm going to wear my new shorts to the gym and pull them out. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And there was this little stupid little red tag that keeps people from stealing. And I was like, how the fuck did I get out of the store with this thing? <laughs> <laughs> top level yeah. security at Target. Top level, yeah. And I was <laughs> congratulations to you, Target, for winning the prize of best security in the world. I um you did pay for the shorts though. I did pay for those shorts. So I'm not I even I searched for the receipt and I was like, fuck, I gotta go I gotta go to Target and be like, I really paid for these. Here's my receipt. Like I'm not trying to Anyway, but what I ended up doing, (laughs) what they left it on so you'd come back and they could nail you for the shrimp. That's right. It's all a, it's all All a gag. It's conspiracy. (laughs) Um, I, (laughs) I ended up googling um how to remove the tag. (laughs) It's actually really easy, which is also really great for you, Target. Um, uh, and I'm. You know what? Just Google it. I'm not going to be the one that, in you know, is We're responsible an for <laughs> from Target. Yeah. I was ready, but apparently um, Dusty had an issue. <laughs> I don't know if you want to tell the story, but everything, you... everything was going great. <laughs> Fine, things were going according to plan, and I said to my two-year-old, "Can you stop playing?" With your diaper, you're going to cause your diaper to come undone. And because he's an angelic two-year-old child, he continued yeah. to play with his diaper. <laughs> I'll save the gory details, but I was I was cleaning up a lot of stuff yeah. off my couch. Thank God, <laughs> couch covers. <laughs> yeah, great. right. Just put it in that, ooh, your new washer and dryer. Yeah. Your new setup there. And yeah. voila! It's like you know, I had to, like, scrub stuff off of it first <laughs> that's fun the yeah. glamorous life of a mother <laughs> my husband was like yeah i'm gonna leave that to you good luck <laughs> bless his heart <laughs> he, he got my washer working today though so he's that's totally true. Off the hook. <laughs> all right we'll let him off on that one this time <laughs> All right, so today's topic, we are going to, and it probably will be a recurring topic because, you know, it's kind of in the title of the podcast, but um, it's we're going to talk about the priesthood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, hmm, let's see. So what I did was <laughs> I went to... Went to the horse's mouth, as one says. I don't know who says that. Does anybody say that? Did I just make that up no, in my head? No, that's Okay, good. Mouth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, all right, good. Uh, I went straight to the source, the churchofjesuschrist.org. Um, web, yeah, their website. And I, I remember I even typed in lds.org and then changed it to churchofjesuschrist.org because <laughs> apparently we got to have that. Like the whole thing. It's not. It, remember the days when it was like Mormon.org or something, wasn't it? I distinctly remember the "I am a Mormon" YouTube commercials. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that long ago? I'm not crazy. No, I no, you're not crazy. Well, um, 
let's not go that far. But um, <laughs> I was, uh, um, what was it? I that's when I was. I think I was working at Brook, uh, at Deseret Book when they were doing that thing, and I was like, this is so dumb. But yeah. I was also like very jaded about everything church related because I was like constantly bombarded with it. So you know. But it was also really dumb. And I remember what was Brandon Flowers had a thing on it. And he's like, I'm a Mormon and and a rock star. I'm like, are you really a rock star? You're just, I mean, you got one hit, but, you know. Anyway. Sit down, Mr. Flowers. (laughs) Oh, speaking of, um, now that this is going to be the killer's um, bashing moment. um, we So I used to love them when I was an avid Mormon and it was kind of cool because I was like, Oh, he's a, the lead singer's Mormon. It's really cool. And then, um, <laughs> now, like they, just, <laughs> they just came out with a new album and I was like the first song, it said something about what is Zion or something. And I was like, Oh, and delete. Like I just, I <laughs> can't do it. Cause I know what you're talking like. I, uh, Yep. Can you be more obvious, you know, like, uh, anyway, so we are not, a I, well, I am not a fan of the killers anymore. Like I used to be, they do have that one, like they have a couple songs. I will probably always, Mr. Brightside will always yeah. be good. Mr. Brightside's on my workout list. So yeah. And then, uh, there's one Miss Atomic Bomb is one of my favorites too, but yep. <sighs> other than that, fuck y'all. Killers. <laughs> I hope I don't. This this better not be what makes me famous. Like <laughs> he's shoplifts and he hates the killers. <laughs> I'll be like, cool. <laughs> Mr. Flowers is gonna send you a very flowery letter with very. Oh yeah, I put my email on there too now, so he yeah, has access to me. <laughs> and I also told people that they can send the hate mail. So <laughs> Brandon Flowers, Bye. if you listen to this, <laughs> send me the hate mail. I don't care. <laughs> Just talk to me. <laughs> what? Just talk to me. I just need attention. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically what that was at the beginning. Like, please, just for the love of God, I made this email and nobody's talking to me. The only thing emails I get on there right now are from podcasts, whatever, like Apple Podcast. And I get them from uh, like stuff that I signed up for when I was trying to figure out how to make a fucking podcast. So it's like... All this, like, spam, basically, is what I get on there. So I would appreciate, I mean, hate mail is even better than spam, I think. But anyway. All right. So now that we've talked (laughs) about everything but the priesthood, um, (laughs) would you like to get on that? (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm excited. (laughs) All right. Oh, at least one of us is. No, (laughs) No, I, I am excited. I, um, I just. It's such a weird thing to talk about because it was like such a huge aspect of our lives for so many years. Yeah. Now it's definitely has not much to do. Yeah, I have nothing to do with it. And then, so it's funny because I um, I got ordained as a minister (laughs) online to be able to officiate my friend's wedding earlier this year, and I. I got more swag from that than I ever got for my 20 some odd years. Now, let's not age myself that much. I was, it was 12, probably about 12 years, 10 years, 10, 12 years, something like that, of uh, being a priesthood holder with the Mormon church. So, 
Like, did the Mormon church give me a car pass? No. I was going to say, you got like a parking permit? I got a parking permit. I got a bumper sticker. I got like um, all sorts of shit in this little package. I bet, I mean, I had to pay for it, but like I can, it's not, there's no expiration. I mean, there's no expiration with like the Mormon priesthood and air expiration is your death, but like, well, even then it's not because like eternal, they have, have their eternity, whatever. Sure. Anyway. Um, all right. So straight from the horse's mouth here, we are at church of Jesus Christ.org. Um, all right. So this is overview. The word, priesthood has two meanings first priesthood is the power and authority of god it has always existed and will continue to exist without end so basically what i just said was <laughs> eternal so that fit in right well um <laughs> through the priesthood god created and governs the heavens and the earth through this power i can't help reading this without like it was like I don't know, like I'm reading some fairy tale note. Anyway, through this power, he exalts his obedient children, bringing to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. Second, immortality, priesthood is the power and authority that God gives to man to act in all things necessary for the salvation of God's children. The blessings of the priesthood are available to all who receive the gospel. So that's like a, yeah. Yeah. I probably should have noted at the beginning of getting into this was there might be some trauma <laughs> trigger <Yeah>. words. <laughs> trigger words here. Put, yeah. it the, put it in the show notes. I will. Yes. All um, the things are triggering. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, essentially the priesthood is the power and authority of God here on earth. That's like kind of the, the quick way to say it. And right, I remember. Yeah. Um, and there's two levels, right? In the. Church of Jesus yes. Christ Latter-day Saints. Not the ball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's the Aaronic priesthood, which is the, and I'm actually going to get into that here in a minute. But oh, the, okay. um, sorry. No, you're good. That's actually a perfect segue. The um, there's the Aaronic and the Melchizedek priesthood. The Aaronic is the first one where you get when you're 12 years old, and then you um, you have that until you're. 18 and then when you're 18 you you can you get ordained to the melchizedek priesthood and that's when you go down your mission and um so then within the ironic priesthood well here I'll, I'll read this thing and then we'll we can get into kind of like how that all works i guess and then um all right. So in the spring, oh God, um, in the spring of 1835, Joseph Smith received a revelation explaining the name of the priesthood. There are in the church two priesthoods, namely the Melchizedek and the and Aaronic, including the Levitical priesthood, which I have no idea. Oh, Levitical is Aaronic, yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, see, look at you. Yeah. Seminary. Um, oh. <laughs> Why the first is called the Melchizedek Priesthood is because Melchizedek was such a great high priest. So it's basically like a fan club kind of thing. Like, oh, it's the Melchizedek Priesthood, you know, because he was the best of the best. So we're going to name it after him. Like, that does, it really doesn't make sense to me. It never made, made sense. Like, Considering, I, do, I don't remember ever really learning about Melchizedek. Like in, yeah, they just kind of talk up, like, they just say, oh, he was such a great high priest. But then, like, they don't ever, like, like, he's in the scriptures, but not for like, we don't need what what made him so great. Like, yeah. 
Uh, before his day, it was called the Holy Priesthood after the order of the Son of God. But out of respect or reverence to the name of the Supreme Being, to avoid the too frequent repetition of his name, they, the church in ancient days, called that priesthood after Melchizedek. All other authorities or offices in the church are, I'm not going to read all that. The second priesthood is called the priesthood of Aaron because it was conferred upon Aaron and his seed throughout all their generations. Why it is called the lesser priesthood is because it is an appendage to the greater and has power in administering outward ordinances. So I guess, I mean, that was, I remember teaching this in my mission. It was like, um, the Aaronic priesthood is about the outward stuff, and then the Melchizedek is more about the spiritual side and the covenants and all that stuff. So it's kind of an outward, external, and then internal. And that's why the Melchizedek priesthood being the higher one is like, um, seems like a, the more significant one because it's um, eternal, like it, your eternal salvation kind of depends upon it. Not kind of. It does, I guess, but... Makes me feel queasy to my stomach. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> so, like, the Aaronic Priesthood is the... Um, so you got the... Man, I'm having a brain fart. You have the deacons. And <laughs> right, then, yeah. And they... The teachers, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Deacons, teachers, and priests. And they... Um, they The deacons pass the sacrament... And like I've said, if you've listened to the Not So Molly Mormon podcast where I flip hair, um, I was a guest <laughs> and I <laughs> I spoke to them about how that kind of works. Is like you're. And I remember as a kid, like they um, they assigned us a number. Like you just kind of like, and it's dependent on where you sat, kind of thing. And then where you sat was like where you went. That blew the, my mind when you explained that on their podcast. I was like, wait, yeah. what? How? What? And I honestly don't know if that's how every ward worked it, but that's how my ward did it. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if that's how they do it, just because it's like it makes sense. It's a good yeah. system, but like probably in like the bishop's handbook or something. Oh maybe. Yeah. I should probably get my hand on one of those to see. That'd be cool. Anyway. That'd be cool. Um I mean, cool in like a <laughs> queasy well, kind of way. I'm like watching like true crime documentaries. Right, right. <laughs> um, but the, let's see. So you got the, I also remember thinking, okay. And then like, I was like, ooh, cool. And I'm a teacher. So when you, teachers like don't do shit. Like you, as you get, go graduate up into like the ranks, I guess is what, you know, you can kind of think of it as, is like, you just add more responsibility. And um, so when you're 12 and 13, you're a deacon. And I guess now, I don't know if it's true, but like it's, it, they do it more by your year. So you yeah. can be like an 11 year old deacon. And then it's just like, because you're turning 12 that year. Yeah. I was going to bring that up when you said about the deacons, because my nephew is 11 but in January, his whole class, they were all set apart as deacons. That's so weird. Yeah, but he doesn't turn 12 until, like, close to the end of the year. So I just, because my sister asked me if I wanted to, like, be a part of the FaceTime. And I was like, but, wait. But and I was, like, doing math in my head. And I'm like, he's 11. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> and they're doing it now with baptisms, too. Like, you don't wait until your birthday. Yeah. They're doing it the same like all the kids at once and I'm like what is happening oh that feels very culty to me like I just imagine like a like a lineup of kids like 
Hey, right, we're going to just dunk them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, things change like that. And as an outsider, I'm constantly like, well, what about the never changing, everlasting gospel? What is happening? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Else up and be like, hey, I have a question. Oh, but that's um, yeah, right. Like, why doesn't anybody question these things? But so I got into a conversation that reminds me of this. Um, I think I might may have showed you. I'm pretty sure I did because I show you all the things. <laughs> Dusty's probably like, um, I don't need to know everything about your life, Jake. But <laughs> thanks. Really do, <laughs> um, what was it? so it was about the the Jeffrey R. Holland talk, and it was, um, they talked about how there's a difference between policy and doctrine. And I think that's where that would fall under, I guess, is how they would, like the Mormon apologists would be like, oh, well, um, it's a policy. It's not a doctrine. I'm like, okay, but. Why does the scripture say at the age of, like. Right. Like, that's why I get so frustrated. (laughs) They can fucking cherry pick whatever they want to like suit their needs. Really, is what it comes down to. Like, oh, um, well, the we like gays, but they're not like it's not our policy to accept them. Yeah. It's and they can they can it's like a scapegoat thing. Like they can just like get around stuff that way. Like, oh, it's not actually doctrines. So we don't actually hate you, but it's part of our policy. Yeah. Like, but how do you how can you dif- and I asked that. Person, I don't remember who it was, but I remember asking, like, how can you differentiate policy and doctrine? Because shouldn't they, like, they shouldn't disagree. Like, your policy should just, like, uphold your doctrine, right? Like, yeah. it shouldn't be something that's, like, an addend- like an addendum of, like, this is going to just completely change what our doctrine actually says. Yeah. Oh. It drives me crazy. It's just yeah. one of those things that I just, like can't i just want to scream <laughs> right Ugh. Mm. uh so do you, oh teachers all right so teachers don't do shit that's what i was always as a kid i was like oh i can't wait until i'm a teacher so i can just like watch the door like that's all they did like guard doors yeah and then you'd have to like help with the you know passing the sacrament if they didn't have enough deacons or something right. and so yeah and um but as a teacher, like when you turn 14, it's like from, hey, Archer's trying to get my shrimp. <laughs> I, I stole those fair and square, Archer. You don't get those. <laughs> Archer's my dog. I don't know if I've ever said that in the podcast, but that's my dog. It's not like He's I'm talking to a beautiful dog in the entire world, and I'm going to steal him. Oh, yes, he's a precious baby, and now he's whining because he wants my shrimp, and that's a fuck you, Archer, you're cute, but you're not that cute. Um, He'll get the shrimp later, but it's fine. Um, Seriously? Uh, I am busy here. Anyway, um, (laughs) I, uh, yeah, so the teachers are from 14 to 15, and they, um, you basically just watch the door, and, like, if anybody is, like, you have a nursing mother that's outside, or a mother with a screaming baby that's outside, and the sacrament's happening, so then you shut the doors while the sacrament's happening, and then the deacon comes up to the teacher and is like, is there anybody outside? You know, you don't even say it, you just kind of, like, go up to him and like, hey, is there anybody outside? You know, it's kind of, and then they open, look out there, and then they, you know, you go out, and you just, you, sir, you pass the sacrament to them. Um, and then deacon, no, uh, priests are the ones that actually bless the sacrament. And we talked about that too. 
in uh, Not Somali Mormon podcast was that um, when you say the prayer, so I I loved how Mormons was they were always like, oh we don't we don't do like Catholics do where it's like um, you have to say this prayer that's like exactly right, not, like right? We like we don't have hail marys or I don't yeah no, I don't know if I offended anybody I don't actually know if that's what that's called but. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. Like, what the you grab the you have to you hold the rosary and you make it. I don't know enough about Catholicism, but um, you hold the rosary and say whatever so many prayers, and it's like a rote right. prayer yeah. that they have. And Mormons were always like kind of haughty about that. Like, they were like, Very "Oh, so. we don't do rote prayers. We pray from the heart." And then they have this thing that you do every fucking Sunday. Minus general conference Sundays <laughs> and like those steak, whatever steak, steak conference, yeah. conference. Yeah. I was always like, Hey, you don't have to do sacrament. <laughs> um, but the, the, the prayer that you do over the sacrament has to be word for word and it has to be, you can't even stutter. You can't like, there's some bishops that like the bishop has to okay it. Like you, when you say the prayer, you look over at the bishop and he gives a nod or like a, do it again kind of symbol whatever right. and um it's very like very anxiety inducing and very like especially like if you have like social anxiety like i was a shy kid like i'm i still kind of am but like i'm a lot less than i used to be but like when i was a kid like getting down just like and you have this microphone and like you're just like you have to say it and what if you can't read like what if there's like a dyslexia thing yeah. like they, they have it like on your like it's written a, out on a card next to the microphone, isn't it usually? Yeah, they actually had like a, it was a drawer that, and then it's like taped on there. So like, yeah. and then the microphone's like on that drawer. So it's it's kind of cool, but like, so you can basically just read it right off of there. And then, um, I I don't know, it's it's just all the things that could go wrong, like that are like so. Um, exclusive about that as far as like who the actual like is praying like yeah. it it just kind of takes away the spirituality of it yet it's like one of the most important ordinances you know because it's like it renews your covenants of the baptism and it re um and all that stuff like it's what and it they also use it to kind of hold against um hold against people when they confess to the bishop so it's like it's obviously oh, important yeah. we've got it We've got to delve into the like public shaming of taking the sacrament for sure sometime. Cause yeah. Ugh. See, and I, um, I was one of those, I think I remember, so I've been listening to Mormon stories, um, uh, with Dr. Dillon, which has been incredible. Um, I've just been kind of like cherry picking a lot of the episodes, but like, um, he, there was one, I think it was with the Lang family and it was a pretty new, um, new episode and the one of the kids was talking about how he got anyway we don't have to get into it too much but like just like with that shame and stuff like um one thing he did mention was that like some people will um some boy young men will like just lie about like being able to go on a mission like they'll lie about their sins so they can go on a mission so they don't have that shame right and then um some will um confess but then they have that outward shame of like not being able to take the sacrament and that's like a huge part of it but like um i was one of those people that lied about it and i i like 
I mean, obviously I was looking at porn. I was jacking off, you know, like I was just like, <laughs> I was, and I was very gay in my heart and in my head, you know? And so like, whoa, honestly, whoa, whoa, whoa. what? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Shocked. Shocked and awe. <laughs> um, <laughs> listeners, if this is your first episode, <laughs> <laughs> First of all, why are you here? <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> maybe you should. I'm gay. <laughs> oh. Um. Also, yeah. I talk about masturbation a lot. So, like, if that makes you uncomfortable, then leave me a hate mail. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh. Anyway, what what were you saying? Oh, just saying, like, yeah, like, the public shaming of it, like, it's used, it's so abusive, honestly, to be like, first of all, you have to go in and confess to whatever it is, and that whole thing, but then second of all, they're supposed to have this power of discernment, so you're going in and like, yeah, buddy, I'm good, great, kissing oh, all man. the girls. Right? So... He's like, okay, go past the sacrament. Like, what? Yeah, like, what? The spirit didn't tell you that I'm like fucking gay and that I, uh, I'm watching gay porn and like, I don't. I would go into those interviews and be like thinking that I was going to confess. Like, I would just be like working myself up, like, is this the day that I like confess and like blow my whole world apart, you know, kind of thing? But then I would always chicken out. And then I would also like, in my mind, I'm like, well, he's a bishop or he's a stake president or something. And I'd be like, um, he's probably going to know. Like, he's got to, like, because they would always give those, like, fear talks of, like, oh, we have the power of discernment. So we know, like, we'll, the spirit will be able to tell us. That's a good point. I didn't even. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's a mind check on both ends of it of, like, you know, like, I screwed up. Okay. Before I, you know, and I wasn't allowed to take the sacrament. And just, like, the fact that everyone around you is staring at you and like publicly judge, like I saw that Dusty didn't take the sacrament this week, so clearly yeah, and they talk about it too. Yeah. yeah, and it's like none of your business, first of all. Like, so there's that whole side of it, and then there's the whole side of like the boys that you're having sex with are up there blessing them, passing the sacrament because mm. they just. Oh, I wish. It. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh man, I I used to have so many crushes as a kid. Now that I look back on it, oh my god. And then the like, oh my god. Especially in like college when I was at BYU Idaho, I was like, oh, you know, beautiful boys. <laughs> like I was just like, you guys are everywhere, and I just and I can't touch you. But anyway, uh-huh. <sighs> um, like I'd be in my ward, and I'm <laughs> here. I am like this returned missionary, and I'm supposed to be like all about the women and I'm like, mm, no, nope, mm, I'm watching these, <laughs> these other return missionaries. I'm like, oh yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but no, like I think going back to what that sacrament stuff is that like it um, creates like a culture, like that culture that everybody kind of talks about when they talk about the bad things about the Mormon church, mm-hmm. but like if they, they blame it on the culture, but I think it's, that's in their, like in their, it's not doctrine, really. Like it's um because it's the sacrament is part of their doctrine. Yeah. It's set it's, up for you to be like you were saying, like it's set up for you to have this culture of judgment and of like the shame too. Yeah. 
and like and public the shame. Fear of the shame is what keeps you in line because you know mm. that you know chatty Kathy down at the end is going to see and she's going to tell everybody in the Relief Society and it's going to be you know the gossip for the next however long. Like it, yeah. it keeps you in line because you either get really good at lying and hiding things or you never fit in, which I never fit in because I was a shit liar. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently I'm good at lying because, or they just, I think there, there's a lot of that too is like gender plays into that too. If you, because like, a hundred percent as a, as a man, like as a, and as a young boy, like, they want you to get the priesthood. They want you to go on a mission so you can spread the tr- spread the gospel. They don't want you to like have to stay home and you know. And so like right. even if even if I were to confess, they, it wouldn't probably wouldn't have kept me off my mission. It probably right. they probably would have been like, oh well, just um, skip the skip sacrament for like two weeks and you'll be done. You'll be good. Right. You know yeah. that kind of thing. Like I, it would have been a slap on the wrist, you know. But like with young girls and women it's like oh well they get like and I don't know you can probably speak to this more but like obviously because I don't I don't know but from what I know is like there'd be more questions and more shame involved in it it's so it's so in-depth like you get asked about your underwear you get asked about like how far you're going with boys you get asked about you know like if anything sexually arousing has happened, like it to the point where you're like, I had a sex dream and now I have to go talk to somebody about, it. you know what I mean? Like Ugh. at least that's what my experience was. And I'm sure that's not for everybody, but you know, like I had, like I had an experience where looking back on it, like I was assaulted, but going mm-hmm. through it, it was, I did something wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was so, there wasn't a single question about like, are you okay? You know, or it was, it was completely like, I was in the wrong. I wore provocative clothing. I was drinking on the weekends and didn't have the Holy ghost with me. And I couldn't protect myself from bad situations, you know, where the guy literally nothing happened to him. Like, I mean, we were just kids. Right. But, but he still like nothing happened absolutely nothing he wasn't talked to he wasn't like you know publicly shamed he didn't have to meet with the bishop a bunch of times like it's just the it's very unbalanced how how it works i feel wow. oh for sure <laughs> well and it feels very i mean i guess not even feels very it is very like victim blaming and i um i was a well, I have a couple of things that came to mind when you were talking about that is that like, so I was a victim advocate with the Navy and it was well, for sexual me. assault. I love you so much. <laughs> I think that's What's so that? Cool. Oh, that yeah, aspect was... of your life is just incredible. And I'm very proud of you and I'm proud oh. to know you. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you. It was one of the, they do like a whole 40 hour week training like a whole week where you have to be there from the beginning to the end of that training and they take it very seriously which is awesome um very grueling probably one of the most grueling like um emotionally draining trainings i've ever been through but um very worth it like i've um it opened my eyes a lot to like how we actually talk to people that are victims of sexual assault and uh, rape and then um but like 
like you were saying, um, that's just not how you're you're supposed to talk to victims. Like you're not supposed to continue to you're not supposed to ask them like anything about like specifics of like what they're what were they wearing, what were they doing, like, um, and not making that's putting the blame on them and saying like, oh well, it's something you did. Yeah, obviously it's traumatizing. You have to repeat it and to live it again mm-hmm. over and over without any empathy or without yeah like it's it's ridiculous it's not it's not right and you just blame it's just blaming the victim like you said yeah well and um the other point is that like so you got these bishops that are and we'll get into them in a minute with like how they fit into the priesthood but like they have the priesthood and so we've talked about and it's been talked about in several podcasts and what and um especially like in the maximal community is that um these men don't have training they don't have the like the backing the to be like psychologists or to they can't um they can't uh diagnose you they can't um they can't be a therapist either like they're not there for that like they're yeah. your neighbor down the road you know and yeah. so they have they're usually you know maybe one or two are probably actually trained therapists by profession but that's like going to be super rare and then um and if they are they would probably wouldn't be able to ethically even talk to you about it so um i just but the point is like they use the priesthood as like kind of like a well that's how i'm able to talk about you talked about this with you because i have that authority because right. i do because as of the bishop especially you have authority over the congregation when you and talk so, to a bishop it's like that's the, why they um they feel they can like this, go there with you which is to be like this kind old man or whatever kind of older man or like, whatever is, but yeah. like they're like um, and they and then another point is that like the mormon church is very like, really proud of the fact that they have the lay like the clergy know, so anyway. like none of them are one paid. time my bishop but then was my dad like, and that was weird you have oh, all this money, yeah. you could I, like, why don't you yeah. hire some I actual like therapists an and like victim advocates and, and stuff like that life. so that you can actually like <laughs> I don't know, help your members. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Instead of like <laughs> just pushing yeah, them to oh just read your scriptures and pray oh, and fun. then don't take the sacrament for a few, for a little bit <laughs> because much. you sinned. You my terrible, dad terrible. was a bishop at one point, but not for my award, but he was for a BYU Idaho award and um I may have mentioned this, but he um, he set me up on like two dates that I can remember with women, and this was before I had come out, obviously. And um, but I was also very much coming out, like to my I had already come out to myself, and I had already like um, anyway. And then, but I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go on a date with these women from your ward, which is so weird. And then one of them was fun; the other one was probably still to this day the worst date I've been on ever not even because she was a woman but because it was just terrible <laughs> not because she was a woman <laughs> <laughs> I mean I've been on, on some shitty dates with men but like this one like takes the cake over some of those like awesome. it ranks up there because we went so I was trying to make a good impression this is a side note I was trying, trying to make a good impression on her and I um because like Bishop's son, you know, I was trying to make a, uh, I don't care if like you, I don't really want to do anything with you like sexually or anything romantically. So it's whatever, but I was like still on, I don't know, it's weird. 
why I went to this effort, but I was just like, it was like winter time and I took her to this Mexican restaurant and then, um, and of course Archer wants water right now. For some reason I could have just left it there because she was not being very like, I think it was too, the reason why I kept going was because I was like, why doesn't she like me? And like a person, like my personality, like I like people, I, I hate when people don't like me. So I'm just like, and I've gotten better about it. Like, as far as like, well, if you don't like me, then fuck you, you know? But like back then I was very much like, Oh, I need people. Everybody needs to like me. And um, I, so I was like, Oh, you want to go get some hot chocolate? So we went to got some hot chocolate. No, this was okay. Wait, back up. This is totally off topic. Anyway, I, um, I love it. <laughs> I, I was like, Oh, you want to go bowling? And so we went bowling I don't even remember bowling. I don't know if we, anyway, all I remember is like we were there and I had like been done with school for like probably a couple of years by this time. So I was, I was out of the college scene and whatever. And um, I, I was paying for the shoes or something and she saw some of her friends there and she went up and hugged like this whole group of people. And just this like this look on her face like because she introduced me kind of I don't remember anyway it was just kind of this weird like she seemed very embarrassed to be seen with me (gasps) yeah and I was just like okay like I don't and I had just paid for bowling so I was just like okay well I guess we're gonna bowl like do you even want to be here still like you know just kind of um if it were me now I'd be like um bitch <laughs> you can you can bowl by like I'm bowl by myself. You can go go find your Uber your way home because I'm not I'm done with you. <laughs> um, so there was that, and I don't remember if anyway. Long story short, so then I took her to get hot coffee, not hot coffee, hot chocolate after, because I was like why don't you like me? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> and, then, and she was like, I was, I was like, we can go walk around with it. Like talk for a little bit more. And she's like, I think I want to go home. And I was like, thank God. Thank God. Like, oh. so I took her home and that's the last time I saw her, but I don't remember her name. I, I just, anyway, Maybe what a bitch though. Really good gator. And she was like, why is this queen with me? <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, usually if she has gaydar, she would like, usually that would like make them more, like, I don't know, like me more because I'm like less of a threat. But like, I don't know. Okay. She was just a bitch then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I appreciate that you wanted to defend her, but like, <laughs> years later, I'm still talking about it. So obviously I hate the bitch, but anyway. Check before dicks, I guess. <laughs> That's right. No, I appreciate that. Like I, and I am a huge, like, I love women as far as like, I will defend and I will like, I'm all about it. But like that one, I'm just like, mm, if I ever saw, I don't know if I'd even recognize her if I saw her now, but <laughs> the other one was really cool. Her name was Tempe and she was kind of a hippie. And I was just like, yes, I like you, but oh, we had a fun time. Yeah. Anyway, so back to the priesthood. <laughs> um, the restoration of the priesthood. You want to get into that a little bit? So <laughs> The amount of like, <laughs> how, uh, yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> Getting heated over here. 
what are we getting heated over the restoration? It's like, the fact is that in black and white, it's so, so clearly a cover up and a lie and a bunch of deceit. And mm-hmm. everybody just like smiles and goes, oh. <laughs> Dusty's getting triggered over here. <laughs> just, just <laughs> uh, we shouldn't record so late because now you're not going to be able to sleep. <laughs> like a glass of wine and like snarl about it for a while. <laughs> Listen to some true crime to calm yourself down. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> the authority of God to organize his church and perform ordinances of salvation was lost because of apostasy after the death of Jesus Christ and his apostles in the first century AD. However, it was restored by the Lord to Joseph Smith through heavenly messengers during the 19th century. That's literally all it says on their website about the restoration. Like, oh, it's no big deal. Like, we're just going to throw this sentence out here where Jesus Christ like died and then his apostles died and the, the uh, authority of, you know, the priesthood authority. It's like the crux of like everything with the priesthood and all they, they just like, and how it's like, oh, we have the restored priesthood, you know? And like, but it's literally like one sentence, one, one sentence, two yeah. sentences. And they just like, Oh, but Joseph Smith, <laughs> it was restored by the Lord to Joseph Smith through heavenly messengers during the 19th century. I'm like, <laughs> could you give us a little more information on that? Like, yeah, we, I mean, we know it's, as members, but like, yeah, but just like to look it up and be like, what's this all about? Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. And I can remember talking about it on my mission, like explaining to people how it worked, like, this is what happened. And we, some, like some missionaries would get so elaborate with it. They'd be like, they'd like use cups to like signify, like, I can't remember. I'd have to look this up now. Oh man. Oh, that's, that reminds me of like, I'm having some glimmer of memory about that actually. Yeah. And I, I feel like it was like some FHE lesson or something that like mm-hmm. maybe a missionary just like my mom taught it to me this way. And so this is how I'm going to teach it to them, you know, members or whatever, you know, just kind of like, it just felt very childish too. Like I'm like, um, it's cool to like visualize and stuff, but like, it just doesn't anyway. Um, yeah. so in essence, the, they believe that, um, the priesthood was lost once Jesus Christ was crucified and then his apostles eventually died. And then, um, there was no more, but then it doesn't make sense to me because like, and maybe I just haven't read the Bible in a while, but like knowing that you have the true priesthood from Jesus Christ himself as an apostle, Mm -hmm. like, why would you just let it die with you? Did Jesus say something? I don't know. Maybe I'd have to look that up. Did Jesus say like let this die, let this that die it's with like me? Taken from the earth. It, I don't know. This might be something that I'm just like making up, but I feel like I have a memory of it like being taken from the earth due to like apostasy. Oh um, yeah. Well, and that's like know. the great apostasy, whatever that they talk right. about. And that's like yeah. they always talk about like, well, that's why we went into the dark ages, and that's why we went like all this war and the famine and like the black plague and all that. That's why all that happened is because the priesthood was taken off the earth and all this stuff. And like, or or <laughs> counterpoint, maybe <laughs> the uh, 
maybe people just are terrible people and humans or whatever and then war is always going to happen war was happening before famines were happening before so like right. and you know like in jesus christ time there was leprosy so like what okay um anyway and there were yeah. wars happening there was like the roman empire during jesus christ time right am i yeah. wrong here and um wow i feel dumb and <laughs> so like right <laughs> like the romans are the ones that anyway whatever yeah. um so like and the romans were super warlike also they were super gay let's just put that in there yeah. like yeah. they did not care like and if if jesus was going to have an issue with gays he had the he knew about it so like he would have called them out in the oh, scriptures. 100%. Yeah. I know. That's why people always say, like, just show me where he ever once said anything about it. That's right. You can't. <laughs> exactly. Especially in the New Testament. Like, in the Old Testament, maybe, but whatever. But the Old Testament was done away with by the new, by the love like, that Christ brought forth. Like, he did away right, with the old, yeah. the old. Anyway. <sighs> Whenever somebody brings up Leviticus, when they talk about being gay, I'm just like, Fuck you. No. <laughs> Show me something in the New Testament and then we'll talk. And there's yeah. literally nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. 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 People so, go to the Old Testament and I'm like, no, no, no. No, no, no. No, 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 honey. Let's let's go to the New Testament at least. At least. <laughs> at least. And then Mormons, there's literally nothing in the Book of Mormon about homosexuality. Nothing. Oh. So like Okay, why are if you if you're in your little article of faith that says we believe the Bible to be true as long as it's translated correctly, whatever? Um, okay, but you and you hold the Book of Mormon higher than the Bible because it's Bible's supposedly tainted. <sighs> anyway, there's so much to this. Anyway, I I just don't understand why they're willing. They, it's because they can. Oh, but the Bible says this. But like, okay, but what does the Book of Mormon say that? That's the one that's supposed to be like this pure thing from like straight from God, like that's right. like been translated by a prophet and everything. Like anyway, I'm doing finger quotes. Translated. Yeah, translated, <laughs> aka stick my head in a hat and. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so with the restoration, I can't remember. There's like, who is it? There's the three the Oliver Cowdery. Oh man, so I should know this. You know this probably. I do, yeah. So, they, Doctrine and Covenant says that the priesthood was restored in 1829, right? Mm -hmm. Right. But we never have a record of it until after 1830. So, that's my first issue. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and my second issue is they two <laughs> minutes of a conference in 1831 where J-Dog... <laughs> <laughs> as Canadians are, I like to call him. Mm -hmm. Joseph Smith and Sidney Rignan were ordained to the Melchizedek priesthood by Lyman White. That's documented. But then if you go back into like church doctrine, they're saying that Joseph Smith was ordained by like Elijah, John the Baptist, and Peter, James, and John. Right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no. <laughs> That's, but then why? Why? Who why? the fuck's Lyman White? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to do a deep dive into that one because I don't know. I don't know much about that part. 
I don't. Oh, that's blowing my mind. When I like started like doing research into the church and like deciding if I was gonna go back or if I was gonna stay out, that was the one thing that I was like, "What is happening?" It made me so ang- like ragefully angry. So, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't until I'm reading from the CES letter. It wasn't until the 1835 edition of oh. Doctrine and Covenants Joseph and Oliver backdated and retrofitted priesthood restoration events to an 1829 to 30 time period, none of which existed in any previous church records, including the Doctrine and Covenants precursor, Book of Commandments, nor the original church history as published in the Evening and Morning Star. Oh my God. Yeah, my jaw literally dropped. I have so I've only I haven't read all of the CES, CES letter. So, and you and I have talked about like doing a deep dive into that too. So, okay. we're gonna have to do that. Listeners, you're in for a long ride. So buckle <laughs> in. Um, we let's see. Yeah, I, so yeah. My jaw literally dropped James about that because I didn't know about that. Yeah, Peter, James, and John ordained Joseph Smith to the priesthood in 1829. Why was he then again ordained by this Lyman White guy in 1831? It doesn't the make sense. Fuck? That doesn't right? make sense at all. Who is Ly- <laughs> who's Lyman White? Now I'm going to be having like nightmares about this. Speaking of nightmares, this is another little side note. I worked at Di- Desert Book. I always have dreams about working at Desert Book, and they are always stressful. I don't know what it is. Last night I had another dream about that. I was talking about that, talking about you too, with my Navy dreams that I've been having where ah, like the ship is flooding or on fire. I don't know what the fuck is going on with my brain, but it's a wild ride in there right now. So uh, last night I had one of my recurring Desert Book dreams, and that was great. I don't know what – it's usually like I'm trying to close the store or something and like people just keep coming in or like I'm trying to clean. I don't know. Anyway, that's a digression we don't need to get into. Um <laughs> everybody who's working retail has that nightmare over. Oh my and over. god. Just yeah. Please. It's a traumatic experience, especially so if anybody's ever worked retail, you know what I'm feeling. Like I Christmas at retail is awful. I still like I still cannot go out during Christmas time. Nope. <laughs> like that's why I can't listen to Christmas music. I, <laughs> I just like I tried. To, I'm getting better about that. Like I'm, there's certain ones that I can listen to. If they, oh my god, God forbid, a Mormon one comes on, I'm like hell no, done. Michael Bu- Michael Boulay can't listen to him anymore because we used to listen to him a lot because he was like the only one that was, he was like approved, but we couldn't. Uh, I don't. Uh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this might be. Do you are you a Mariah Carey fan though? Oh yes, yes. I was gonna yes. say yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's gonna take your gay card away from you. No, I I adore <laughs> Mariah Carey. Um, and I actually so during COVID, this is another. <laughs> I had never listened to like all her albums. You know, I have my favorites of hers. You know that I would listen to like her songs or whatever. But I downloaded her whole like her whole what are they discography, and yeah. I was like listening. I would go on bike rides and I would listen to just like all of them. And I was like, I'm in love with you. Why was I, what was I? And she was for, for a while there. I was like, what is, why does everybody love Mariah Carey? Like 
I I love her, but then I was like, I don't understand why there's so many avid fans of her because she's kind of terrible. Like late, right? Yeah. At least recently, like she's just kind of a terrible person. Yeah. Um, but I think gays like that about her that she's kind of just like oblivious to the world. Like she just kind of she's all about Mariah, you know. And I think yeah. that's why gays gravitate to her anyway. But the um, I I don't know. She's she does, she has some good shit. She's really good. But her Christmas album is incredible. So and that song, you can't go I mean, all I want for Christmas. Oh man. This is Speaking, the best episode so far. I'm <laughs> I am so not focused, but it's fine. The listeners are probably like, what the fuck are they even talking about anymore? Sorry. Uh, it's late. <laughs> Also note, I am sober. I don't know about you, but I'm completely sober right now. So God, I wish I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I need to do an episode where we're, well, I don't know if you're willing. You have little ones, but I want to do an episode where I'm completely trashed. <laughs> Let's see how that goes. Uh, not completely trashed. Just, to, just enough where I'm like, tipsy because tipsy jake is fun but <laughs> let's get white girl wasted yeah <laughs> the la- oh archer has to be involved i don't know if you can anyway he just barked he's Barely. probably yeah okay but um the last time so july 4th of, well july 3rd i went out for my friend's birthday and we hmm, girl <laughs> I, uh, I used to get so wasted but like i've been like better but uh, I got so 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 what happened was we went up to this <laughs> um it was just me and my friend and we were celebrating her birthday and we were it was kind of like slow going at first because we were just like and we were down by the course field the baseball game just gets out and we're just like slowly the bars start filling up because there's tons of bars right around there and um we um we were at this one bar and we didn't even buy a drink. Like we were just sitting there like talking and then we left and then, well, no, we did. We bought, no, just kidding. We went to one bar, bought some pickle shots, went to this next bar and that's where we just sat around talking. And then we went to another bar and we went up to the, like um, they had a rooftop bar area and we were just like, we watched some fireworks. It was really cool. And I was like, I was getting to the point where I was like, okay, I'm getting tired but I want, but like, so we either need to like leave or we need to start getting drunk, you know? So I was like, I was like, I kept, I was asking her, I was like, do you want to go get drinks? And she's like, yeah. And then she would just like start dancing. And I was like, okay, whatever. And so, um, and then these girls, these from behind us, the VIP section was behind us. And these women came out to us and they were like, we're from out of town and we don't know anybody and we don't want to be in that crowd. Do you guys want to come over and be in the VIP with us? And I was like, Oh yes. <laughs> so we went over there and they started pouring Tito's and they were like, which I don't, I don't drink that. I was just like, um, they would like heavy pour and then like a little splash of a little mixer. And then they handed it to me and I'm like, Oh God. Well, and then I got so so blackout drunk. Like the, and these these women, like they had money to spend. Like they went and talked to the DJ afterwards. I met the DJ. He was fine as hell. And um, 
they, I don't, well, they were trying to get him to keep playing for us, but he didn't do it. But then they ended up giving him like a bottle of like the Tito's and then, um, and then he met up with us later. I don't, I barely remember that. And then we ended, ended up in like this Uber ride over to this other bar and it was closing. I, at this point, like it got a little weird. Like, and they had also like invited over this couple that was like engaged and um, like a, they were a straight couple, which whatever, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, <laughs> <laughs> when straight people show affection in public, I know, right? just like, just don't do it. Like, just don't shove it in my face, okay? <laughs> um, but they were cute, and they were, um, they. I saw one of the women that had invited us over to the VIP, like slipped one of the, the guy had like a drug. Like he knew it wasn't like she was roofing him. <laughs> she was like just gave him this, this pill, and then, um, and I was like, what the. F- what's happening? And I was like, I kind of want to ask, but then I was like, no, I'm not going to like, cause I probably would. Uh, anyway, it would have been really bad because I got super. Anyway, I probably shouldn't anyway, priesthood. So, um, long story short on that one, I blacked out and we were somehow walking down the downtown Denver with this couple. Cause the women had left, like they went off, um, with the DJ, <laughs> and then as one does you know like god he was so, so hot and but then i'm also like was was he hot or were you just drunk jake he was anyway whatever um <laughs> and it's sad because i was so drunk that i can't even remember his name and my friend doesn't remember his name so like i can't even google to see like oh was he actually hot anyway um he played good music he did like this uh emo but like with dance so you probably would like yeah. Yeah. And, that'd yeah. probably be like right down my Yeah. Oh. And uh <laughs> this is such a such a tirade. Anyway, we were um walking they w- went to their we ended up at their hotel and I was oh. just like and they gave us a white claw. I barely remember any of this, but and then we were going down like I was it was like four or five in the morning. <laughs> 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 and I was the guy walked us down to meet our uber and then i needed to pee really bad so i go into this hotel and i'm like looking around for this bathroom and the guy and my friend are outside and apparently he hit on her and was like trying to get him to get her to like kiss him and whatever else i don't know and she was down but she was like but you're married you're engaged anyway and then i came out and i was a cock block and i like (laughs) I don't know. Like I didn't order the Uber. Like I was like, we were waiting for an Uber, but I never ordered it. So, <laughs> Oh my God. Anyway, this the is the story is straight men suck. <laughs> That's right. Except for my husband. He's awesome. <laughs> That's right. He's awesome. He puts your washer and dryer together. He's a hero. Yeah, he is. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. so priesthood, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> we were um <laughs> welcome back listeners since you probably skipped like all of that um <laughs> the keys of the priesthood are the right to preside oh god i don't know if i so the keys of the priesthood are the right to preside and direct the affairs of the church within a jurisdiction so like the bishop and the stake president and whatever and also even it goes down to like 
a father or a husband like has the keys of the priesthood to preside over his family, which that plays into the whole misogyny of how they treat women. I saw this thing. Um, let me see if I can find it. Sorry, wait one. I am... <laughs> Okay, so Mormon women have had a ragged history in terms of equality. Being treated with politeness, consideration, even respect is different from being treated as an equal. So I guess that, and that plays into like how the, um, like women are always, and I guess the verbiage has changed, I guess, in the temple. I don't know for sure, but like how that's always like, women are a help meet to God and which I, and then the, um, that you're always supposed to defer to your husband and it's because he has the keys of the priesthood. This yeah. just, I think the misogyny just goes back to the, really goes back to priesthood and how like men are being held as these special, um, we have this special gift, I guess, given to us from God. So yeah. it literally makes you feel like you're like a God. So you're superior. Yeah. Yeah. Which I find a lot of, like, the Mormon men I ran into over the years. A majority of them. I'm not saying all. Like, my dad is a Mormon man. He's awesome. But um, a lot of them do have that, like, superiority complex of, like, I'm more important than you because you're just a woman, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I, after leaving, like, the church and like we decided that we wanted to try and have a baby and I had such an internal conflict because I'd been told basically my whole life it was my job to grow up get married and make babies mm -hmm. and I wanted I felt like I had to be more than that because I didn't agree with the church principle I don't know where I'm going with this but I guess just it was hard for me to be like, that's what I want to do for this stage of my life. Like I know that my kids are going to get older. They're going to go to school. I'm going to be able to return to the workforce, but it was a really, it was really hard on like my mental, just my mental well being to be like, okay, I'm going to step back into what the church told me was my only job and mm -hmm. have these children. It was, it was such a, yeah, it was, it was really, I really struggled with it because I didn't want to just, you know, do what I had been told to do because <laughs> I'm, you know, a toddler who has to do the opposite of what I'm told, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm kind of the same way in that, like, I get, I think I get what you're saying is that, like, um, I'm okay with doing things like the quote unquote right way or whatever, like doing until somebody tells me that's the only way, you know, and that's the way to do it. And that's right. the, that's what's expected of you. Like, maybe it's like the rebellious side of me and the, I'm just like, no, now that you've told me to do that, I'm not going to do that. You know, like, right. um, and I, I think that's a huge, obviously an ex expectation for Mormon women and really even like any Christian really heavy religion is that um, like Orthodox religions is that the woman's role is to uh, be a wife and mother. And it's just that very um, traditional view of what a family should be like and how, and there's like a timing in that obviously because of how yeah. uh, women's um, birth, like how like your 
basically your window of like opportunity for birthing and like carrying babies, you know? So um, does that make any sense? I don't No, It totally does. Cause like in the church, you, if you don't have babies by the time you're like mid twenties, people are asking if you're having problems because yep. again, they feel that it's their business to be involved in your reproductive situation yeah. for whatever reason huh, um, that sounds familiar to yeah. like what's yeah. happening right now in texas oh. anyway <laughs> it's like people these men have the audacity to think that they have any um any say in what a woman does with their body yet if somebody were to say like a man although okay so i'm gonna say this so um there's been this argument of where like men um like, well, if men were told to get a mandated, you know, that they they had to get a vasectomy, yeah, um, that that would be kind of a, that would, it would be outrage and everything. And yeah, that's true. Okay. But like, I did read something just barely that kind of had like a different perspective as far as like from a veteran's point of view. And I just, you know, throw this out there. It's probably going to get some hate. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, but the... It was just interesting because, like, as a veteran, I'm like, and then also with, like, all the stuff with Afghanistan and then, like, being compared to Vietnam and how it's a war, both war, both were wars that none of us wanted to be involved in. And then, um, and then it talks about how, like, the draft was kind of, like, okay, it's kind of this, that would be a similar situation to, like, how women are um, being told that they have to, abor- they have to carry their baby Whereas men have to, and then men were told to, they have to go out to war and be shot at and be possibly be killed, you know? And I think that different stakes, obviously, but like kind of the same in that, like, okay, my body, my choice kind of thing. Whereas like the government stepped in and took that choice from the men and they had to go out and like basically sacrifice themselves. I don't know. Anyway, I'd have to, I just thought that was an interesting perspective. I don't know how that resonates with me. I don't know how I feel about that. So like that comparison still, but I, cause I literally just read it, but it's just an interesting point of view where like there's this argument that's constantly being put out. The men are um, being kind of blamed. Like all men are being blamed for this. Yeah. And it's like, there's clearly like me, like I'm totally pro pro-choice you know like yeah, I just yeah. but I also I see that perspective you know where it's like not and I hate to say this but like not all men but like I'm just saying like um there's it's so nuanced that it's hard to like you can't just like make blanket terms and blanket like just with like a lot of the stuff that's happening like with the vaccine and stuff like you can't just like say everybody that's anti-mask is this way or everybody that's anti vaccine is this way like there's right, so yeah. many like, I different have perspectives who can't get the vaccine like they medically cannot get it mm-hmm. and so they're considered well they're unvaccinated and i'm like well yeah but it's not because like they're crazy <laughs> <laughs> right they have, like extenuating circumstances right yeah. so yeah you can't say that it applies it's just a generalization for sure yeah yeah i don't know the stuff going on in texas makes me so Angry. sad and sad yes so angry and they're treating women who get abortions like someone who went to the nail salon and decided you know what i actually don't like purple i want to change my mind and that's not 
that's, that's not, not how it is. It's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's way more complicated than that. There's so many reasons that women do end up getting an abortion and none of those reasons are anybody's business, but hers and her that's doctors. That's right. That is right. And yeah. I think what, um, uh, what was I going to say? So there's also a bounty. Like if you basically you're putting a bounty on women's heads as far as like on their uteruses, like, and you're saying like um, $10,000 to anybody that snitches on, you know, on these women for getting an abortion. And it's like, um, and it's, it's not even like I say women, but it's like, we've got girls that are like, you know, 13, yeah. 14 that are, you know, getting pregnant and they have to carry this thing, this baby thing, this uh, <laughs> baby full term because they don't, you know, and they could have been raped by, you know, their uncle or their father yeah. or somebody, you know, like, and they've, they've got a, that's something that you're going to saddle this young girl with for the rest of her life, you know, and yeah. not give her the opportunity to, to have a say in that. And that's right. disgusting. And these um, people who are demanding, they, they have to carry these pregnancies to full term and give birth to these children. Are they advocating for, you know, more foster care mm-hmm. help? Are they doing anything for, like, teenage parents? Any sort of funding for that? No, they just want nope. those babies to be born and then they don't care anymore. Exactly. So there was a, um, I actually got into a conversation with, uh, which, um, with somebody on Instagram. I don't even know. It was an abortion abolitionist that I oh, you said, said that. something to. I was just like, because what they had posted was that um, pro-choicers ch- pro are the ones that don't care about the foster care system. And I was yeah. just like, um, no. I work in foster care. Like, I work for the yeah. county human services department. So I, I know who our clients are. I know that like the system just kind of is built to keep these um, these families kind of in that, and I I'm lucky to work for a county that um, recognizes that and tries to they have a second gen approach and they they work on not just the child but they and the children that are involved they work with the families and try to break the generational curses that are keeping these families in the system and so Fantastic. sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but it's yeah. definitely a different approach that's um, definitely not seen anywhere else that I know of. I mean, I don't know, have a whole lot of experience with it, but the, um, so I told this person that like, I work for the County, like human services and like, you're completely wrong. Like you're just, you're saying that like, like I'm pro-choice, but I would, I would rather like if you, if you force every woman who got pregnant, to have a child to and then like if you had to force if you force mandated like what am i trying to say if you force women to carry these babies full term you're also like like your experience that you shared was with a baby that's like wasn't going to live you know and then um you have these um so you're doing it for the health of your health and for your mental state as well, as well as for your baby's well-being. And then you've got these other, you know, the rape and incest situations. And then, but like, if you're forcing these situations, you got medical, your medical side of it. That's being like, we are, are, as far as in America, our systems already like horrible as it is anyway. And it's like, 
you're going to pack on that. You got the foster care system that's already like really like you're going to cripple that system even more because you're going to mm-hmm. have more families that are going to be involved in it because guaranteed there's going to be more cases of neglect. There's going to be more cases because as a 13 year old child, are you going to be able to raise a baby? Like anyway, cause you're uh, uh, so much to go into that, but um yeah, like I'm a 36-year-old woman and I just there's days where I'm scrubbing human fecal matter <laughs> off of my couch and I'm like yeah, right? I'm not equipped to deal with this at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's you know exhausting and I don't think it is. I mean it's hard. and people don't realize how how hard it is to be a, and I I, I can't speak cuz I'm not a I did help raise my little sister a little bit but and i can still remember those days where it was just like oh my god i just need a break like and i wasn't even like a full-time parent i was just like there to help my parents you know like yeah um like if they're not going to support these women these young girls or these women who are in horrible situations if they're not supporting them and helping them to transition either through the foster care system and adoptions or helping them, you know, have a safe, clean place to raise that baby, then they're, they're not pro-life. They're just pro-birth. Then that's it. That's right. That's exactly right. I, um, and another point that you kind of touched on earlier, it was that it's nobody's goddamn business. Like, um, when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter why women and young girls are getting abortions. It's, it's their body and the government should not be allowed to have that reach and control. And that gets into a little bit of like these anti, uh, the people that don't want the vaccine are also Mm -hmm. just like, I don't want to be mandated to get a vaccine. And I understand that the, like, um, but there's always this argument. I have to carry a baby full term. Like it exactly. can't have those ways, right? Yeah. Well, and they also like making that argument to, I'm just like, okay. Because they always throw back this like my body, my choice right back at you. And it's like, okay, wait. So one is a public health and safety issue and the other is not your goddamn business. So like maybe if, because like, okay, let's just take a hobby super science fiction hypothetical (laughs) let's just and maybe just just roll with me here again super sober i can't believe i'm saying this but okay so hypothetically say we lived in a world where a woman gets pregnant and then she touches another woman and that woman gets pregnant like that's basically and that like becomes this like overwhelming population you know issue and so there's that becomes like a public health and safety issue right so that would be the only the only way that you could make those two things like be like the same thing the same kind of argument yeah and it's not like because it's just like i've said is like it's apples and oranges that you're comparing you're comparing a virus to a baby like to a and you're saying that like and to like I just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Make yeah, it, it make sense. Make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> I know you can talk uh, in circles with them for hours, and it never goes anywhere. Yeah. 
Oh, and uh, side note with the abolitionist um, for listeners, I did send this to Dusty, but she, they, I don't know who they are. They responded. So if you follow okay. my personal Instagram, it's, a, I mean, I show my booty and I've showed that I've, <laughs> I've said that before, but um, enter at your own <laughs> risk is basically what that is. But like, um, I have it on private. So she, the, this person, I'm assuming it's a woman because of how she was talking about stuff Mm -hmm. but like um they said they didn't even like read my message like that my response to their post they just said porn stars and what is it porn stars and um something else aren't welcome on my page exit yeah i was like um that's what it was porn stars and prostitutes aren't aren't um welcome on my page exit and i was like excuse me <laughs> like <laughs> what <laughs> and i had written like a nice like understanding comment of just like i can't understand where you're coming from but i think you're just like i'm just trying to see where you get some clarification on this and like they wrote that response and i was just like um first of all <laughs> and then i just but they did they ended up sending me a message like on the in the dms and it was it was actually a decent yeah they like apologized and were like it's been an overwhelming fly or whatever so yeah and i anyway um so really quick just to end we probably should wrap up but um (laughs) this episode has been all over the place but it's fine it's been good because i think it all kind of ties together and that like there's just like and there is a lot of going on in the world. So it's not like it's, I mean, hopefully the listeners are like, oh, we can actually you know, relate because like our brains are going kind of crazy too. <laughs> so much yeah. Um, but there's this last little bit here. I skipped some of it, but the, so <sighs> brace yourself for this. Okay. So it kind of goes with like how we were talking about how women, like the, there's like the misogyny and how the the superiority of the priesthood and how men hold themselves that way. Mm-hmm. I also, before I get too crazy, um, we need to talk about the Melchizedek priesthood. We got into the Aaronic priesthood a little bit, but in another oh, episode, yeah. we'll talk about the Melchizedek stuff. Um, anyway, uh, each husband and father in the church should strive to be worthy to hold the Melchizedek priesthood. With his wife as an equal partner, he presides in righteousness and love, serving as the family's spiritual leader. And then uh, this next thing from President M. Russell Ballard, who uh, Sarah has lovingly nicknamed Masturbating Melvin, (laughs) which is my favorite thing. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) President M. Russell Ballard (laughs) taught, um, in our Heavenly Father's great priesthood-endowed plan, men have the unique responsibility to administer the priesthood, but they are not the priesthood. Men and women have different but equally valued roles. Just as a woman cannot conceive a child without a man, so a man cannot fully exercise the power of the priesthood to establish an eternal family without a woman. In other words, in the eternal perspective, both the procreative power and the priesthood power are shared by husband and wife. And that is from 2013. And uh, let's talk about how uh, homophobic that is for sure. For one, that's one thing that stands out to me is that the family is only a husband and wife. Um, So, and then also the, I don't know, you tell me your thoughts on 
on that. Well, <laughs> it's saying that they're a partnership, but we all know it's not. Like, right. you as a woman, your child is extremely sick, and you, you as a woman cannot anoint a blessing on them. You need your husband. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad and I, we've talked about this, and he thinks personally that a woman has just as much power to pray over her children and heal them. But doctrinally, no, you don't, you don't have that authority. You don't have that power Mm. according to the church. So that, that, that's problematic. It's also problematic that you need to work to become a family. You know what I mean? Like a man and a woman have to then create a family. A man and a woman should just be a family. That's a good point. Cause yeah, I love so that yeah, like because when you when they do talk about families, like they it's it's usually um, implying that there's a child involved and like that a man and like just a couple cannot be a family. I've that's always bugged me. And then um, obviously like men and women, but like it, that brings to mind like infertile couples. Like what are what are the, how are they supposed to feel about this? Like. Um, so just as a woman cannot conceive a child without a man, a man cannot fully. So the whole, this whole portion where it says a man cannot fully exercise the power of the priesthood to establish an eternal family without a woman. So like he, like that puts pressure, like say he's infertile, like say it's his, yeah his sperm is not working right, you know, whatever. So like he's not able to get his wife pregnant. So, um, that puts pressure on him and makes it like, it's like a, Oh, I'm not fulfilling my priesthood duties. And then it's also like her, she's like, well, I can't fulfill my, you know, I can't, we can't create a family when it's like, okay, you are a family though. You are a family as the Mm -hmm. two of you. And I, yeah. My friend who is single by choice has mm -hmm. a cat and they are a family. Her and her cat are the cutest little family. There shouldn't Archer be and I are family. Yes. <laughs> I think Archer wears the pants, though. Yeah, he definitely runs this, <laughs> runs this castle here. <laughs> There's such this pressure from, like, the second we're born to be, to be in this box of what they say we're supposed to be. And that doesn't work out for everyone, you know? There's women out there that are infertile. There's men out there that are, you know, unable to have children. You don't, Mm -hmm. there's people who have been in horrible accidents that were not their fault. Like you're, you're excluding such a vast majority of people and almost saying, well, they're not worthy because Mm -hmm. they're not able to fulfill this role. Right. Well, and that also, um, so I have friends that are, um, she's diabetic. And so she, it would have been, um, it would have been hard on her body for her oh, to sure. actually carry a baby and like, it would have been life threatening. So they adopted two boys and, um, they're both in the church and they're constantly like, they, they are very open about, yes, we adopted the children. It's like, and it's beautiful. Like um, they, and the kids are, one of them I think is a little, I don't, I don't know. I'm on, like, he might be on the spectrum as far as autism. Um, but the, 
like they've given them a good home and like i feel like there's this like kind of underlying feeling whenever they talk about their children like they're very proud of their children and everything but there's kind of this like underlying like that they're lesser like they're a, a lesser family than like those that have like biological children Aww. and so i feel like there's kind of this stigma in in the church of like adopting and how it's like oh well it's you know it's the same but it's not the same you know like it's good yeah. for you but like mm, it would have been better if you could have like had your own had you know your but then, own. yeah and so and then there was also um when you were talking about like horrible accidents i was not that this is a horrible accident but like there's like women get like um ovarian cancer like mm-hmm. very like that's very common and so like having a child after that isn't that like wouldn't you have to get your i don't know i don't know wouldn't you have to get your ovaries removed and that kind of stuff like yeah, in order to i mean all different cancers are like some can be caught and some can be treated but yeah depending on there's you know women who have uterine cancer and have their uterus taken like what are they supposed to do right like yeah. it's excluding then, such a vast majority of people not to mention, as I was mentioned before, like it, it excludes obviously the LGBTQ plus community as far as like, yeah. it's not a wife and wife or husband and husband, it's husband and wife. So it just continues, perpetuates that conversation. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just disgusting. <laughs> That's one thing, like my, my mom was adopted and um, my grandparents always told her that <laughs> she was better than other kids because they didn't get stuck with her. They got to go pick her out. So, oh, yeah. And that's God. how I think like every adopted child should be. Should yeah. Be we, we picked you. We want yeah. you so badly in our family. So I think that's a beautiful thing. So at my work, um, they haven't had it with COVID and I really want to go to one of these, but it's, um, and it's at the court. Um, they have adoption days and I, I don't know if they have them everywhere, but they have just a whole day where they just do adoptions, 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 adoptions. And so, and the, the judge just sits up there and just, and these families come and they just get officially adopted. And it's so, I've heard, I get chills just thinking about it. Cause I'm like, Oh man, it's so cool. Like then they, it's supposed to be like this, like the people I've talked to that have gone to it. I'm like, yeah, that they they just they it's like a life changing experience for them where they see these families come together and like they're just they give each other the biggest hugs and there's like balloons everywhere and it's the biggest party like celebration of like families just officially be legally becoming like a family with children. Yeah. Uh, so and it's it's fun to think about like the stories that probably led them up to these, this point and whatever. And it's like everybody that's like, and then I, what, what I do, um, as I schedule like state mandated reviews or whatever, but sometimes, um, and then it has to happen every six months. And sometimes I'll be like, get the same case or whatever. And I'll be like, um, and I'll see that it's gone to an adoption caseworker and I'll be like, oh, that's good. So I'll like, or the caseworker will notify me that this case is going to adoption. And I just like, I write like a big old congratulations. Like, that's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure it's maybe not the outcome that was um, probably planned for the parent, but like, it's the, what it comes down to is the best need for the child. And right. so, and what's the most safe um outcome for them so 
whenever I hear that there's a child being adopted, I'm like, I get so excited about it. So yeah, because number one goal is reunification, but second yeah. best is always going to be them just having a safe home. And if that's with mm. somebody who's going to care for them and make them their priority, then that's that's all you can ask for, right? That's right. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a good note to end on, I think. <laughs> because after all the shit that we went through. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for being on the show again. We're going to have you back for sure. Yeah, happy like, to do it. Um, this is, I was looking at it, and I think the last time you were on here was a month ago. So maybe like one or two times a month, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. whatever you're up to. So. Just raising and, you know, aliens. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they're cute, though, so it's They fine. are cute. They are. <laughs> the problem is they know they're cute. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. That's how Archer is, too. Like, he knows he's beautiful. And so I'll be on the hiking trails and people are like, beautiful German Shepherd. And I'm like, yeah, don't tell him. He knows. He knows. He just holds his head up a little higher. That's yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, they said I'm beautiful. I'm like, <laughs> Anyway. Well, thanks for this intense but <laughs> awesome conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hope I still have listeners after all that, though. Like, holy crap. We got into, like, politics. We got into everything. That, yeah. And that's just from the priesthood. We were supposed to just talk about the priesthood, Dusty. Yeah. I we even told really a drunk story. Huh? We're bad at staying on task. Next hey, time, I'll fine. pour myself a glass of wine and we'll see what happens. <laughs> Ooh, I'll do that too. Yeah, let's do that next time. That's we'll for just sure. Carry. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh, I don't know if we want to sing. I don't know if I, I mean I don't. I'm, can you sing? Sing for me. <laughs> Put you on the spot. <laughs> Are you there? Huh? <laughs> I have I have a story I'll have to tell you offline sometime. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll uh talk to you later. Um <laughs>